This is the Passive Wealth Strategy Show, the show that will teach you how to build wealth with real estate without buying yourself another job. I'm your host, Taylor Lowe. Today, our guest is Megan Stafford. Today, you're going to learn how to turn $400 into a real estate portfolio worth over $2.1 million. That is what Megan did, and she's going to teach you how she got it done. Once again, I'm your host, Taylor Lote. I'm a real estate investor. I focus on multifamily and self-storage investing. If you'd like to learn more about potentially partnering with us in the future, just go to investwithtaylor.com. Don't forget to subscribe and catch us here every weekday. Right now, let's get with Megan. Megan, thank you for joining us today. For our listeners out there, could you tell us about yourself, your background, and where you're investing today? Yeah, absolutely. First of all, thanks for having me on. Appreciate it, Taylor. Um, yeah, so my beginning, very humble. Uh, I was from a really, really small town of 126 population in Arkansas. Uh, it's called Cheryl, Arkansas. If anyone cares to look it up, it's very, very small. Probably has 20 people now. But yeah, um, so started started there. Uh, grew up in Arkansas. Spent my whole life uh, in Arkansas until... I guess about 27. So in 2013, I bought my first duplex. Um, to buy that duplex, I used a 203k uh, loan. It's an FHA loan, but three and a half percent down. Uh, negotiated the house uh, for 91,500. That's a little under four thousand dollars. <laughs> so for less than a car is, I bought a house, a duplex actually. So that was my first experience of being a landlord. Um, and I lived on one side, you know, rented out the other, did a little house hack. Um, yeah, it was, it was pretty cool. And to even do that, I, I invested in Bitcoin. So that's how I started with $400 initially. Uh, I sold Bitcoin at a thousand a piece, thought I was doing great, <laughs> you know, and, uh, but I got real estate and I'll be honest, I've made much more in real estate. So I'm happy that I sold when I did, um, because being able to leverage each time and move up to 2.1 million today has been pretty, you know, remarkable uh, to start with 400 bucks. So yeah, I guess I would say today, um, I don't own as many doors currently. I'm trying to dwindle down the, the holding portfolio a little bit, but I have 13 doors, 10 properties, um, and then I'm constantly like flipping right now, even in this market. Awesome. Great. So let's focus on how you scaled up the portfolio, starting with 400 bucks and that first deal all the way to over 2 million. I think a lot of folks kind of, where did she get the money to do these deals, right? That's the big mm -hmm. question because folks don't necessarily understand the tools and the mindset of real estate investing. So how did you work with others? How did you get creative to finance those deals? Yeah. Well, obviously the first one was less than four bucks. So that one's easy. Your first one's pretty nice. And just so people know, um, FHA, you can hold one of those at a time. So if you refi out of that later or figure some other way to get around it, like you can you can have another one later down the line, which is kind of cool. Three and a half percent down. Great. Back in the day. Um, now you're not going to find that. Probably if you do, your payments are going to be so high, you will never cash flow. Um, so that's something to keep in mind. But the second deal, actually, I um, I found a really good deal. I always find the deal first and then it's like a fire under my butt. You know, I'm like, okay, now I got to scramble. So I found the next deal. It looked awesome. Um, uh, the, actually that one I did 15% down. That was a residential single family, but the, it was a third one that I started getting more people involved. Um, that one was 
I've just made like a, a small little flyer to send out to my buddies, um, send it out to maybe like five people, not even that many people. Uh, I didn't even know if they had money, to be honest, <laughs> like, because we didn't, you know, back then I didn't talk to people about like, you know, what they had or whatever. Um, I didn't, you know, I'd never asked my friends like how much money you make a year or whatever. That's not just a conversation I had. So yeah, it was literally just buddies I had, you know, I was like, Hey, um, it'll take this much to get in, you know, we only need 25% down, you know, it was a, it was a, a deal that was under a hundred thousand worth, you know, 200 fixed up basically. Um, so yeah, it was, I don't know, it wasn't, it was a small down payment, so it was easy enough to, to get one person to really want to do it. Uh, had one person that I guess he got back to me within 24 hours and the other two or three or whatever, you know, like one other person came back and said they would have said yes, but it was too late. <laughs> but so I guess it just kind of snowballed from there. Joe was my first investor and he's done two or three more deals since then. Um, on that third deal, we ended up, so we fixed it up, got it all great and, you know, hunky dory. And then we did a HELOC on it um, and bought the next one with no money. So super cool. Um, and we did duplexes, just not sure if that's helpful, but um, I always say this, so whenever I start, first started investing, um, I always said Arkansas was like a cash flow state, which it was and, and still is, um, but it has really swiftly changed to an appreciation market too. I've been really like blown away just since COVID. Um, it's the pricing, like so there's been such an influx of people. So pricing is just blown up here as well. On that deal where you first brought the investor in deal number three, how did you land on how you split the profits and responsibilities? Who's doing what? Who gets what on the back end? Yeah, no, that's a great question. I had no idea what I was doing. I, I had never read like, oh, like 80-20, 70-30 split. Never heard any of that stuff. I didn't know. I made it up. Um, so I actually did 75-25. Um, so he came in with 75% of the down payment. And it was a residential, so it was in our personal names. Uh, he did 75% of the down payment. I did 25%, and I did all the work. I mean, I did, I found the deal. I fixed it up, uh, like hired out, you know, managed all of that, did all the accounting. Um, yeah, and found the renter, all that stuff, or renters, but yeah. <laughs> so you split the return 75-25 as well? At the end, we split it 50-50. Yeah, I actually just bought him out of, couple of deals last year. So he got paid out really well. Uh, his ROI ended up being like 320%. It was kind of crazy. <laughs> yeah. Because yeah. the second one, we didn't even pay for nothing. <laughs> yeah. Okay. So that is something I also wanted to ask. You, you used a HELOC from property number three to go buy a subsequent property where you didn't put anything down there, but still there's a use of credit and, you know, there's some there's a conversation to be had there about who gets yeah. credit for what part of the credit. What was your yeah. process? Did you just keep the same split going? Yeah, we went 50 50 on that one. At that point, like I didn't, I, again, I didn't know enough. I didn't know like, oh, I should get paid for a, a lot of my time, you know, to be honest. Um, so he got a really good deal. <laughs> I'll say that much, but um, I would never do that deal again. But at the time, you know, I was new and I think it worked really well for both of us. Um, but yeah, I mean, we split that one 50-50 and uh, I did all the work on it. But yeah, it was just, 
I guess it was an opportunity that I wouldn't have had otherwise, though, to be honest. I didn't own another property that I could have done in HELOC that substantial on. Mm, okay. So how do you move on from there and continue to scale? Once you do a few deals, you start to have some private money come in. I think that starts to get a bit more attractive to other potential private money partners. People see what you're doing and they want to start getting involved. Was that your experience and how did you continue to parlay that into further success? No, actually. So um, my experience ended up, I still didn't have a lot of friends with, you know, a, a ton of money just sitting around. Um, I, I actually just started doing it all with my own money. Um, and then now I have a couple of people that I'll do 10% interest. I don't know if I can tell you, but yeah, I do 10% interest for people when I'm floating. Um, and then just as like a bridge loan, uh, they'll, they'll have their name on the deed, um, as you know, we'll record it with title if they want. Sometimes I don't record it with title if they don't care so that they can keep it for a year cause I can finish stuff pretty fast. Um, but yeah, it, it basically the next few deals I did all myself. Um, I wouldn't recommend it if you're trying to grow really fast, <laughs> but, um, yeah, I mean, I, we're talking from 2013 to now, so I had quite a bit of time to, to go slow, <laughs> but, um, but yeah, so I guess my experience was I would do, I would set up one, I would buy one really, really cheap. So just to give an example, Arkansas pricing is a little different. So Benton, Arkansas is where I primarily invest right now. Um, I also do North Little Rock, you know, kind of central Arkansas areas. Um, I only do places where school systems are five and above out of 10. Um, so that's kind of my niche. Um, and I usually look for like three twos, just single family residents right now. I'm finding the best for those to, to be able to hit the market and still get pushed. Um, but anyway, the last three deals I bought um, in 2023, we're around 45,000 and all of them, the rehab is somewhere between 30 to 70,000 and they're worth around 200,000. So to give kind of a spread, um, that's kind of what I'm looking at. Now I have some private money lenders that are in my local market that advertise to everyone that's an investor. They start at 15% for a bridge loan for one year not my cup of tea. <laughs> so, so that's why like I'll either do it myself or I've got, you know, like buddies again that I'll reach out to and, and say 10%. I'll pay them interest only until a 12 month balloon. Um, and then we can do several deals together. Or, you know, I even, I give them monthly updates, but everyone's different, you know, on how involved they want to be. Um, not everybody wants me to talk to them every month, <laughs> but uh, some people do want like a text, just something simple and some photos, like here's what we're doing. Because I mean, some of them are re really excited. They want to know more about it. So that's interesting to see and, and to hear how much of a margin you're still able to get in properties today. I guess since rates come back up, maybe there are more distressed sellers out there. Can you tell us about like what it's taking you to find a property that could be worth 200 for... Mm -hmm in the, you know, $40,000-ish range. Yeah, so pretty, uh... I, I'll, I'll be honest. I've been really, really blessed. <laughs> but um, so, and I want to, I also forgot to mention, so I'll float it until I get a DSCR loan on it, 30-year fixed. I am a little bit more experienced, so my rates are going to be lower than most people will get, but I'm still seeing 8% 30-year fixed on a commercial loan which sounds awful, <laughs> but it's actually really good in this market right now. So 
Because I, I know some other people are getting quoted at 15% right now. Just that's crazy for 30 years. But anyway, um, so I wanted to close out that question. Sorry about that. Um, but yeah, so right now I'm getting my deals. The last three have all been different. One was a foreclosure. Um, usually, so I'm a licensed real estate agent in Arkansas and California. I don't use my license though, really. Um, of course, when I call, you know, a listing agent, I'll always say, you know, I'm a, a licensed agent, but I don't usually rep myself ever. Um, number one, any agent that is repping a deal that's like 45000 they're not making any money. Give them the money. My God, <laughs> like give them that money all day. That's not a lot of money. Um, so yeah, I'll, I'll usually, you know, the, the first one that I did of the year was an MLS. Um, I actually still find plenty of deals on the MLS. Um, I, I think it was Brandon Turner that I got this from, but like he would send the same offer like once a month or whatever. I do that crap. <laughs> like, I do that all day long. Eventually, I mean, I've had th at least three come back and really stellar deals. They come back and they'll take it. So I'm like, whatever, you know, people will change their mind after a while if you keep going for it. Um, but anyway, so I guess over the last 10 or so years, it's mostly been networking with agents, local agents. Um, I've got at least 10 different people. Anytime they get, they see a really good deal, they send it to me first. They know that I'm easy to work with. Uh, I'll close super fast. Like I can do a two week close, no problem. Uh, I think I've even done a seven day close. Like I, I, you know, it's whatever. I don't need an inspection. It's as is. Um, and I guess right now in our market, like not a lot of people are doing as is deals. So, um, a lot of agents are looking for, for people that are fine with whatever, you know? So what are the major value drivers you're seeing in flips today? What are the repairs and updates that you can make that make the biggest difference to the overall mm. price of the property, especially when you buy that distressed? Of a yeah, deal? that's a really good question. So, um, you know, I'm a woman, I, I would say that a lot of interior design goes into stuff. Um, for me. So whenever I first walk through a property, I don't care if there's like rat crap everywhere that happens all the time. But what I'm looking for is the layout. I would say nine times out of 10 people love a good layout. And even if it doesn't have a good layout, if I can figure out how to make it that way. Um, if it's a three bedroom, and it only has one bathroom, I usually want to add a bathroom. Um, there's some other value that I'm finding right now with large lots. I've done a menu. I've split a lot and then put a manufactured home on one side. Um, those are still relatively cheap. And what's cool about those is that you get a five-year warranty if you buy them new. So I don't even have to, you know, go do anything with it. I just text the guy, send someone to repair it. Oh, super easy. Great. So I actually have renters in that one. That was super awesome. <laughs> but, um, but anyway, yeah, so I'll look at a deal. I'm actually thinking about switching over to kind of rezoning a little bit. I've, I've read that it's pretty easy here um, and start doing some ADUs because I don't know anyone doing ADUs in Arkansas. Yeah. Usually that's, that's a bit more classic for a expensive place. Like uh, most mm -hmm. markets in California see a lot more ADUs going on. Mm -hmm. So sounds like you're taking on some more, you know, serious updates that could be, you know, a little scary for somebody who hasn't done it before. Like, adding a bathroom, you know, that's right. permitting involved, having the space for it, everything like that. I mean, what, what about you or your experience makes you comfortable taking on, you know, something like that, that's kind of, it's kind of leaping into the unknown, 
right? Yeah, no, that's a great question. Um, I think so. A lot of times I've heard like people won't touch foundations. The last two houses I've done have been foundation problems and it turns out it wasn't that hard. <laughs> so, so like, I think there's where there is a lot of like fear. Um, there's a lot of opportunity too. Like, um, you know, if, if I find a deal that has a bad foundation, you know, it can be worth 200,000. Um, all I got to do is call some guys, go look at it, give me a quote. And then I've got that number in my head and in my spreadsheet. And so it's just, it's just another number you plug into your spreadsheet. You know, at, at the end of the day, like those types of things that are, that sound really scary, aren't that scary if you put a number on it and you, you know, count for it. Okay. But you're still, you're factoring that number into your offer. And it sounds like from what you said earlier about the Brandon Turner method is you're not afraid of making what might be perceived as a quote, low ball offer, at least as long right. as you have something to back that up. Yeah. And it's, it's not just a low ball offer. Like uh, another th a conversation that I'll have with the listing agent as well as, you know, Hey, like, I'm not, I'm not trying to have you laughed at. Like if you, if you don't feel comfortable presenting that offer, like don't do it. You know what I mean? But this is what I'm willing to pay. I'm curious what, you know, other offers have come in at. People are usually really friendly. Like as long as you're, you know, trying to, not trying to rip someone off, but like being really realistic, you know, like this is, this is what I'm seeing. Like, this is going to be a lot of work. You know, people are pretty, pretty easy going when you explain it like that. And, and, you know, I've gotten enough um, bids from, and, you know, contractors to know, like, this is what other people will pay for it. I, I have my own crew, so it's not as expensive anymore, but like, I know on the market, like, this is what this retail, that's what it's going to go for. Like, hands down, like my rehabs are like 50% of what other people are paying. Okay. Wow. So tell us if you would as well about how you split your time between California and Arkansas. We actually had to reschedule because you were planning to drive from California to Arkansas, just splitting your time between the two, but you know, active in the real estate community in both of those places. How do you handle that? Yeah, it's, uh, it's, it's difficult, but also really fun. Like, um, it, it, my partner and I like to travel, so it's been kind of cool to, we drive. Um, it's a 27 hour drive. If you go straight through and don't sleep, I don't know who could do it, but, um, we usually break it up into different States. Like this last time we did, uh, eight States in four days. Um, we did, so driving from California, we did Utah, uh, Texas. I'm going out of order, of course. Uh, Arizona, New Mexico, uh, Arkansas. Let's see what I've got. Two more. Oh my god, I'm gonna blank. <laughs> I don't know. Oklahoma. Well, your head. Uh, I don't know if I said Arizona. Arizona's in there too. We say. hit two national parks, so that was cool. We went to Bryce Canyon and um, Zion, which was phenomenal. Um, but yeah, so I guess it's difficult. But we so I usually do. It depends on how many projects are going. I like to start every project and end every project. So in the middle of a project, like let's say right now we've got three running at the same time. So um, I like to be there for like the first two weeks of a project starting, um, kind of get the team motivated, um, go walk through a million times being like, this is what I want, do video so that they have that to look back on to whenever I'm not here. I also set up cameras at every new one, just on the outside and the back, just to make sure that like, you know, 
I, on, honestly, like on the cameras, I see more animals than anything, but <laughs> it is nice to, to come and just like make sure I've set up the cameras correctly and uh, make sure that I'm like, you know, got eyes on the place. But um, yeah, I just like to start each project. And then, you know, during the interim, what I do is my team checks in with me on um, like FaceTime or whatever. Every morning they'll send pictures of what they're going to work on. And then at, before lunch, they send what they've completed already. And then at the end of the day. Um, so it's a lot of communication back and forth. Um, and then whenever we're finishing a project, I'll come out because I'm pretty nitpicky about final touches. Um, so, so it's nice to be able to see without pictures uh, to make sure that all that, you know, looks the way looks the way that I want it to look. Uh, very clean finishes. I do a lot of like all white, you know, clean style, make it very open and airy. Um, and then, yeah, so I'll, I'll come out for a couple of weeks and drive back. So each time I'm in Arkansas, it's about a month because uh, it's a week to drive, a uh, week to drive back, and then two weeks here. So, um, And then we're staying in one of them that we're doing short-term rental on, uh, which has been pretty, pretty easy to to like come and like set up. It's nice to have everything furnished the way I like. So it's pretty cool. Um, yeah, we'll probably turn this into a midterm rental later. Um, kind of focus on like that nursing demographic, but uh, traveling nurse. But yeah, for now, that's kind of how we're managing it. Yeah. <laughs> wow. Staying pretty active. So before we go to the three questions I ask every guest in the show, you mentioned much earlier on that you're right now focusing on reducing unit count, selling properties off. Why? <laughs> I'm tired. <laughs> yeah, I'm a, it's, to be honest, I still self-manage and it's, it's, it's usually pretty okay because, you know, I, we go in and renovate pretty heavy on the front end. So it's not as many things, but you know, when you're talking to like, you know, each, each door, right. We say door, but each door is really like, two to five people, right? It's a family. That's a lot of people. <laughs> so each house, like, let's say I've got 13 doors. That's really 13 times five, basically. <laughs> like, you know, to deal with really, because you'll have one point of contact, but they're talking to everybody else. They're getting the nit picky questions and all that stuff. So I get all of that. Um, I am very hands-on and I try like to, to accommodate what I can, but, um, you know, it's just, it's too many people at the end of the day. I, I will eventually hire it out, but it's just a personal choice. Like I value my time a lot and I want to start cutting back and like traveling more and not having to deal with that. And I, like I could hire it out due to a property manager, but I've tried that a couple of times. I'll tell you, if anybody wants to start a property management company in Arkansas, you will make bank because there's not a good company. <laughs> I, I hate to say it, but I have not found one that I'm really happy with. Um, one, most of the companies I've interviewed, they don't, they still take like checks. I don't do checks. Like I, 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 everything is automated for the most part. I've got a lot of people on auto pay. I use, you know, it's not Appfolio, but I use Stessa. It's similar to Appfolio. And so I just, the programs that I've seen a lot of the locals have here are just not, um, great for out-of-state investors like me is what I would say. But yeah. Had success, but deciding to change strategies to better suit your lifestyle and, you know, what, the way you want to live. So yeah. makes a lot of sense. Right now, we're going to take a quick break for our sponsor. 
tracking your rental property business no longer needs to be a hassle. Stessa, a new financial technology company, helps real estate investors just like you take their real estate rental portfolio to the next level by automating the financials of their rental property portfolio. You can get started with just 20 bucks a month to take your rental business to the next level by tracking your properties, automatically collecting rent, tracking your expenses, and so much more. Using technology can take so much of the hassle out of owning a rental property portfolio. So check out Stessa today by using our link in the description and you can get started for free or upgrade to their pro package for just $20 a month. This type of software can save you a ton of time. Go check out Stessa today by using our link in the show notes. Now, back to the show. All right, Megan, I've got three questions. I ask every guest at the end of the show, are you ready? Yeah, sure. Let's do it. <laughs> Great. First one, what is your number one book recommendation? Ooh, that's a tough one. Um, I, I would probably say the first one that comes to mind would be Never Split the Difference. Um, that one really, really helped me with negotiation. I thought it was a little cheesy in the beginning, but then I really got into it. Um, and I, I, I'll tell you, it works. Like I've used um, one of the recommendations was like use an odd number and your offers. And, and it really does work. People will be like, why, why this number? And I'm like, actually, if you look at my spreadsheet, that is it. <laughs> like it, it opens more of a conversation is what I found. Um, that was one, another one that I did. Um, I negotiated a 20 year lease on a commercial building, a cricket wireless building. And the biggest hiccup we found was actually something really, really silly. Um, but it, the book taught me more about like listening, active listener and, and that type of you know thing, and and so when it came down to that deal, what actually got it to close was just changing the paint color. They didn't want to change, and I, <laughs> it was like something so silly. But yeah, it's just um, I think that was a really good book for me um, to kind of open my mind to to getting better at negotiation. I think when I first started, I was a little nervous to just you know ask for what I was wanting. Yeah. Now we go to question number two: Who or what inspires you? Yeah. Um, so who inspires me would probably be my granny. Um, she's worked really hard her whole life. And uh, I think she's a really, really kind woman. I think that really inspires me to be kind and like put, put that back out into the world. Yeah. Love it. Question number three, think about yourself at 80 years old. What advice would you at 80 years old give to you of today? Yeah. Um, I would probably say, oh, also, everyone in my family lives so long, I'm probably going to be 100, but <laughs> yeah, 80 will work. Um, <laughs> but yeah, I would say uh, my advice would probably be like, really enjoy yourself, like travel, you know, try to do what you love and spend more time with family. And um, I think there's been lots of studies on what people discuss, you know, on their deathbed. And it's usually like, you know, stay close with your family and like travel and do all those things that you really love. So probably Absolutely. just be more kind and compassionate. <laughs> I love it. Thanks so much for joining us today. Where can folks learn more about you? Yeah. So my name is Megan Stafford. My company name is Dreamy Capital. Um, we're on Instagram, Facebook, um, all of that stuff. You can reach out to me. I'm, I'm probably more active on Instagram, but there's also a contact form on my website, dreamycapital.com. Great. Thank you once again for joining us today to everybody out there. 
Thank you for tuning in. If you're enjoying the show, please take a moment and leave us a rating and review on Apple Podcasts. Five stars if you don't mind. I appreciate that so much, you guys. If you are enjoying the show, don't forget to hit subscribe. Catch us here every weekday. Right now, I hope you have a great rest of your day, and we'll talk to you on the next one.